0: You're listening to the Jewel City Podcast. To help spread the gospel of Jesus, make sure to give us a five-star rating, like, and share this podcast so that it can get out to more people. In this podcast, we're diving into our new Bible study, the Find Series, which is for individuals needing definition. Pastor Aaron Cain dives into the life of Jesus Christ and looks at habits in his life. We're gonna learn how to use these same habits in our day-to-day life to define who we are in him. Pastor Robert came to me last year sometime, and he said, uh, "I'd love for you to find a Bible study." And uh, he said, "Go to Right Now Media and find one." Uh, pastor's name was Zach Zender. I love his outline. I, I will be using a little bit of his material tonight. Um, in the next ones, the next two, I don't have any of his material, but tonight I have some of his material in this one. And um, his series was called "Being Challenged." Um, I like find for individuals needing develop and needing definition because we need, we're kind of going back to the basics. Uh, we need definition. We we've had a long year and, and we've got a lot of new families. We've got a lot of, a, a lot of, uh, worries and concerns about who God is. And, and I, I want to really break down who Jesus is to us and hopefully we'll grow in him and we'll grow with each other. Amen. Amen. So it's a new year. It's, it's January, 2021. 2020 is behind us and everybody's like, whoo. But however, we don't know what this year holds for us. You know, 2020 was not bad for me. It could have been bad for you. At the end of it, it still wasn't bad for me. I had a great Christmas. I had a good new year and I hope that you did too. And you know, God is still in control and he's still in charge. So no matter what takes place this year, we got to learn to trust and lean on Jesus. Amen. Well, with the new year's, uh, new year becomes new year's resolutions, uh, new beginnings. We, we have resets, you know, uh, some people want to lose weight. Some people want to take a diet and lose 10 or 15 pounds. Not that it wouldn't hurt me if I did that. But, you know, some people want to become a nicer individual. They want to be nicer at work. They want to be nicer with family. You know, they want to become a better person and, and all Some want to go to church every day that the doors open. Um, you know, some, some start their own Bible study. My wife started a Bible study, which I'm very proud of her. Um, you know, everybody starts something, and, it, and it's, it's just a reset, right? And that's what I hope this, this series will do for us, is possibly help us to start new habits and replace old habits, amen? I'm excited to bring us closer to each other and closer to God. In the next five weeks, I'm going to challenge you and I'm going to challenge myself to apply what I believe are keystone habits in Jesus' life. The definition given by author Charles Du are small changes or habits that people introduce into their routines that unintentionally carry over into other, other areas of their lives. It's small changes or habits that people introduce into their routines that unintentionally carry over into other aspects of your life. These habits could create a domino effect. That that could change one area of your life, but it could lead to a multitude of changes in your life. With this series, we're going to look at, at habits that we find in Jesus' life. Jesus committed to community, to community. He studied scripture. He prioritized prayer. He had isolation. And he chose church. You might be thinking, how are these habits going to get us closer to Jesus? Well, we need to aim at Jesus to become more like Jesus, because Jesus was the only begotten son of the father. He was the only one that's ever been in a perfect relationship with God the father. And if we aim to be like Jesus, maybe our relationship with God the father, with God in general, will increase and become better for all of us, amen? In Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, he says, "'Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, "'for I am meek and lonely in heart, "'and you shall find rest upon your souls.'" He says, we are called to learn from Jesus. And as we learn, we find rest. And as we find rest, we find who we are. And when we find who we are, we find peace in our world. But the message version reads, walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Walk with Jesus. Work with Jesus. Watch how Jesus does it and learn. That's a powerful scripture right there. I mean, think about it. He's saying, he's saying, walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it and learn. This is the way, this is the goal of being more like Jesus, that these habits of Jesus will become unforced rhythms of grace in our lives. It might be work at first and it might even be difficult, but if we continue to press on with these small changes in our life, it'll affect all of our life. It's important where we aim. Being just a little bit off can lead us down a wrong path. The reason that I'm trying to say that, hopefully as clear as I am, is because we all have good intentions. We all want to be a follower of Jesus. But as, as the church goes on, Christians are not known closely to the words that they use or the lifestyle that, that they claim to be. They, they claim to be Christians, except they, they cuss I mean, Christians are cussing. They, they claim to be Christians, but they gossip. They claim to be Christians, but they bring a negativity. They claim to be Christians, but instead of using the F word, they say freaking. And really, just, they might as well just say it. Instead of saying crap, they're, they might as well just said it. And we all have this. And, and, and we all have to try to change our own habits. And it's our own conviction from God. The closer that we draw, it creates our life, our lifestyle man, I'm not married to her, but I go home with her every night and I sleep in the same bed. And we say, that's okay. God calls that adultery. Yeah. We have drunkenness. It's okay. One won't hurt me, but one leads to two. And by the time you're done by that bar, by that bar stool, you're drunk. Laziness. Man, I collect just as much on unemployment. Why would I go get a job? Right. I mean, we have to aim for Jesus. We're claiming to be Christians, but we're not leaving. We're we're not leading that Christian lifestyle in the world. And they look at us and you wonder why people won't come to church with us because we're not setting that example. I know Sunday night crowd, you're probably setting the example, but some of us may not be. We got to aim to be better Christians. Listen, you can have all the right intentions, but even if you're a little bit off, it can lead to devastating consequences. You know, I, I think about Pastor Darren, he used a reference uh, of, of bringing somebody home once and he said, you know, what if I open that refrigerator and they see a beer in there? Oh, Pastor Aaron has a beer in his refrigerator. That means he drinks. See, it's a devastating consequence. I had right intentions to bring him to my house and, and have Bible study with him. And I only meant to get a bottle of water, but he saw my beer and now he drinks because he thinks I drink. That's a devastating consequence that we don't want. We wanna have good intentions and lead people to Christ, but we gotta follow Jesus. We wanna be like Jesus, but we aren't hitting all the right targets. Let me give an example. 2020 was a crazy year, but in January of 2020, there's a company that skyrocketed that everybody wanted to invest in. That company was Zoom. Everybody knows Zoom. You were probably on a Zoom call once or twice in your life. Hey, could you mute that? Could you turn that? Hey, you're too loud. Hey. You know, those were the same conversations every time you had it in January of 2020, you could buy that stock, say for a dollar by December, 500% increase. So $5, you made $4 off that stock, but there's something that took place at the New York Stock Exchange, which people didn't know. Zoom went by a ticker called ZM. And now there's another Zoom company out there, Zoom Technologies, which went, the ticker was Zoom. So a lot of investors started buying in Zoom, but they were buying Zoom technologies, which is a penny stock. So they, they, this, this company shot up to like $30 a share or something. And the New York Stock Exchange had to shut it down because it wasn't what people were investing in. See, we have, they had the right intentions to do the right thing, to invest their money in the right, right procedures in the right company, but it didn't bring them. Those that invested are sitting with a share of 29 cent stock. See, we gotta we gotta watch and become invested and in aiming at the right thing. Another example I have for you: a psychology psychologist by the name of Solomon Ash. He did an experiment called conformity. We're gonna bring that up on the stage, up on the platform, up on the screens. There we go. So he did this study. And as you can see, we have X, we have A, B, and C. I'm going to put you on the spot. Which one goes with X? C. Amen. It's not a trick question. It's a clear answer, right? But listen, in this experiment, the way that they aimed, most people started to choose A. 75% of the people chose A. What they did, he, he, he brought in individuals, he set them down. And he had them look. And by themselves, they would choose C. But he brought in actors and put around them. And those actors started saying, no, no, A equals X. And the more people that he brought in where it was agreeing that A equaled X, that one person who knew the right answer kind of conformed and went with C. This is what I believe is happening in the church now. The church at large is... in is following Jesus, but many of them are taking their eyes off of Jesus. We want to say that we want to be like Christ. We have good or great intentions becoming better Christians, but we aren't taking that aim at Jesus. The study by Ash proved that most people would rather be wrong with the crowd than be right by themselves. That's scary. And that's the church nowadays. I mean, that is really the church. Listen, Matthew seven, 13 and 14 enter you in at the straight gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction and many there be which go in thereat. Listen, broad's the way. We're we're allowing the church, we're allowing abortion. It's okay. It's just a fetus. It doesn't have a heartbeat. We're saying it's okay. We're accepting homosexuality. Listen, you are welcome here. We love you. We don't love the sin that you're in but we love you. And and the the Holy Spirit will draw that sin out of you. That's our prayer. But but the church is accepting it. I mean, it's split conferences. The church is accepting it. We've, We've accepted murder, stealing. We've accepted drunkenness in the church. Broad is the way. Verse 14, but straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. Straight is the way narrows the gate. To be a God chaser, you're going to find life. And in that, you're going to find peace. Listen, I want to be one of those that are entering the narrow gate. I hope that you are. It's important to know who you are. It's important to know who you are as a Christian and what values you hold. It's important to be rooted and to have a firm foundation. In Colossians 2 and 7, rooted and built up in him. And established in the faith. And as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Rooted and built up in Jesus. Established in your faith, knowing that with God, all things are possible. And as you've been taught, reading your Bible, learning of Jesus, and with thanksgiving. Having thanksgiving in anything, and everything. No matter if you're in a storm, a valley, a mountaintop. It comes with thanksgiving. Praise unto God. Because we know with God, all things are possible. He can turn anything around that's going on in your life. Amen? It's important to be established in the word. I want to talk to you about being rooted. Listen, bamboo trees can barely be seen for the first five years of their life. They build an extensive root system underground. And it explodes in about six weeks where they grow 90 feet in the air. Think about it. It takes five years of working hard. Hardly anything being seen. And then boom, all of a sudden, there's an explosion of a great bamboo tree. People only see the explosion. They only see that success happens overnight. They they think that success happens overnight. But success comes from a long process filled with many small, consistent steps in the right direction. Jesus comes into your heart you get changed, you get transformed. Old things pass away. Justin Campbell called me on Friday night. He he did a visit with somebody on Wednesday and I'd actually been there earlier. He he works for, he helps assist veterans by uh, repairing some of their home equipment. And and he was there and they were having conversations about me. And, And I'm thankful for the compliment that he gave me. He said, listen, I told them, Aaron, that you're the same guy six years ago that you are today, that you haven't changed. And I appreciate that. Those were the same small steps every day of my life. Being consistent, chasing after God, not allowing the world to draw me back, not allowing the world to take away, having boldness and confidence in who God is in my life. And that's what we're trying to do, is is get rooted in Jesus, rooted in God, amen? Christy Bernard showed me a video of a biofear in Arizona where the trees grow at a rapid pace, at a greater pace than the trees outside. They also fell over before reaching maturity because of not having deep roots. They had a perfect environment. They didn't have to get rooted. See, we have to get rooted because we're going to face challenges in our lives. We have to be rooted in Jesus. Pastor said it many times. There's people that come in God has blessed them and they go right back out. He said, he said, we could fill this sanctuary up five times over probably, if not more. Why? Because they're not rooted. They come and they get a taste and God does something great for them and they go back out. We don't want you to go back out. We want you to get planted, planted right here with God in this community. Amen? Listen, we want to get you anchored down. We want to get you rooted and established in good habits like Jesus, in the word of God. If there's ever one person that could have made it alone, it was Jesus. He was anointed with Holy Ghost and power. He had the love and the plan of the Father. He had it all. He could have done it all by himself, but he committed to community. You can't read the four gospels without finding him, choosing his disciples. He committed a community of like-minded people. As he started his ministry, as he sought to go out about doing the things that God had called him to do in this world, which was to rescue all of us and to make us the righteousness of God, the first thing that he did, he chose community. In Matthew 4, 18 through 22, and Jesus walking by the sea of Galilee saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishers. And he said unto them, follow me. And he said said unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and followed followed him. They not only left their ship, they left their father. Listen, we got to leave the things behind. We got to leave the things behind. When Jesus calls us, and we come and we confess Him as our Savior, we got to leave the past behind. We got to we got to learn to just trust Jesus. We got to grab onto Him. Listen, it's it's like being a baby. You take those first steps of walking. Your mom and dad are so happy. That's God the Father. He's sitting on a throne and He's just saying, "Come to me. Come on. You can do this." As you cheered on your kids, the same way. That's exactly what God is doing. Hey lean on me. Come on, give me that. I got it. That's That's what God's saying. He's saying, leave everything and follow me. In John one and 43, the day following Jesus would go forth into Galilee and find a Philip and said unto him, follow me. Listen, whenever we start following Jesus, he goes forward. It says he goes forth. We, we go forward when we follow Jesus. We're not going backwards because he ain't going backwards. He hasn't looked backwards from the time that, that he rose erect from the, from the grave. He has not looked backwards. Amen? Amen? In Luke 6 and 13, and when it was day, he called unto him his disciples. Of them he chose 12, whom also he named apostles. He took the 12, he gathered them together, he said, I'm going to make you apostles. They left everything. They said, "I'm willing to go. I'm aiming for you, Jesus. I'm aiming for the for the plan that God has for you." Listen in Genesis two and eighteen, and the Lord God said, "It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him." We were never meant to be alone. Before the pandemic, before being forced into quarantine, sixty-one percent of Americans experienced loneliness. We were made for community. Let's not just jump into any community though. We want to be around like-minded people that will help us accomplish the purpose for Jesus. In Proverbs 13 and 20, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Iron sharpens iron. Like-minded for Christ. You got to get around brothers that are going to help you. You can't just get around those, uh, those people that are going to tear you down. Listen, fools travel with fools. And I've known, I've used it before. Trevor's going down Corbin Branch Road with his buddies and they talk him into going down Joy Lane. And if you've ever been down Joy Lane, there's not a whole lot of joy to it. You can ask Trevor. It caused destruction to his vehicle. He had a pothole that could have swallowed his car. It turned his muffler inside out. I mean, I'm talking the muffler's going this way, your tailpipe's this way. Well, guess what? His tailpipe, his muffler was this way. His tailpipe was completely shut off. Why? Because he listened to his buddies who said, let's go down Joy Lane. He listened to a bunch of fools. And whenever we got at the house and I said, hey, why don't you call Caleb and see if he's going to help pay for that mistake that you made? Hey, why don't you call Nick and see? No, those fools ain't going to help me, dad. That's exactly right. But he learned. Last night he wanted to to go to Morgantown. He's got a little bit of wisdom from that mistake, see? And he texted, he said, well, we're not going. And then an hour later, Cindy, Cindy got an alert that there was a major accident and all 79 was closed. I'm thankful for the wisdom that he got from his foolish mistake, amen? So we learn from our, from our experience. We learn from those mistakes. Listen, you should examine your social media, social media networks. <laughs> what are you reposting? What are you sharing? Man, if it's agony, despair, That's right. you gotta leave it alone. You've got to find scripture. You've got to find positivity. In, in If you're going to be on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, you cannot look at the negative stuff. If you want to follow somebody, follow Karen Henderson. She puts something out there every day, and I absolutely love it. And I compliment her for it. It's one thing that I do read in Cindy's Facebook. I get up just to find Karen Henderson's post for the day because it's about God and it's about what he can do in your life. It's about what he can do in your day if you allow him to come into your heart and just allow him to have your heart. Listen, Cindy at school, she got around. She had her, she had her office with people. She had, to, she had to get out of that office. Man, all they do is talk about each other. They gossip about everything. They talk about going out and drinking the night before. They talk about who they're sleeping with. So instead of being in that office, she moved. She still had her job. She went to the teacher's lounge where people came in for food and they socialized with her because they were hungry and they were happy. They were excited about what they were doing. Listen, just because we have a position at work doesn't mean that we got to be around that negative all the time. We can turn that that, that situation around also. We can invite them to church. But listen, you can only stay in there for so long before it gets in your system. She could have started being negative. She could have brought that stuff home and she didn't want to bring it home. Amen? It's going to be hard to apply Jesus to your life if the community and environment around you isn't supporting you. Listen, if they're always bringing you down, you got to find another environment. Jesus didn't just have the 12 disciples His community was several different groups of people. In John 6, 5,000 fed miraculously by a lad who had, what, five loaves of bread and two fish. He said he's ministered to them all day. He's ministered to the community. He tells the 12, we need to get them food. So where are we gonna go get them food at? It's too far, we ain't got enough money. There's a lad here with some food and he takes it and he blesses them. That's the 5,000 that he fed. Listen, he fed 4,000 a couple times. The word of God tells us that. Another example in 1 Corinthians 15, four and six, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. I'm glad that he rose the third day, amen? And that he was seen of Cephas, an acquaintance. Then of the 12. After that, he was seen of about 500 brethren at once. There's another group. Jesus was at times with, he gathered with large groups, large communities, but he also had smaller groups. In Luke 10 and one, he says, after these things, the Lord appointed, means he chose other 70 also and sent them two by two before his face into every city, whither he himself would go. He anointed another 70 to go into the world. The 12 weren't enough. He said, he said I need some more ministers to go before me and, and prepare the way. So now he's got 82 ministers out there running around. Listen, God's called us. He's, if, if your heart was tugged and you gave yourself for salvation, believe it or not, he's called you to be a minister. Randy Efall shared with me something today just a few minutes ago. He likes being one-on-one with people. He likes those conversations. And then he showed, me, he showed me something that was so special to him. Somebody had, had, had texted him about just that one-on-one conversation. We're all called to be a minister. We might not stand up here, but we're called. I didn't stand up here. I ministered to lots of people. And you can too because God's called you. And he's anointed you to do such things, to share the love of, of Jesus, to share the gospel. Listen, even the 70s, still a large group but they had a more intentional relationship with Jesus than did the 5,000 or 500. Then of course, there are the 12 disciples that we think about all the time. There are many times Jesus takes the 12 on boat rides. Think about it. He ministered all the time. He'd minister with the 12 and he'd say, all right, get in a ship. We're gonna sail across the other side. Why? Because he was trying to find peace. He was trying to get a break for the 12 and for himself. Most of the time, they would be like, we can run around the sea and we'll get there just as fast as that boat ride will get them. Amen? But listen, he also took them out for dinners. Another community, think about this. Martha Mary, and Lazarus. He loved community. He loved being with people. He loved being with the 12. He loved being with other communities and celebrating his life and his love with them just as much as he wants to celebrate with you all the time, his love and his life with you. Listen, his community goes even deeper than that. There was an inner three that Jesus had a relationship with. These three had more access to Jesus. Do you know who they are? Anybody got a guess besides Pastor Rita? Peter, James, and John. In the gospel of Mark, Jesus takes these three individuals, on three separate occasions with him only. In Mark five, they're walking. And Jairus comes and he says, Master, and he's talking to Jesus, he says, Master, my daughter lays sick and she might die. So they start, they start taking their journey to Jairus' house. And at that time, see, this is the thing, we have good intentions. As they're walking, everybody's touching Jesus everybody's touching. They all, they all had good intentions. They all wanted to touch you, But there was one that grabbed the hem of his garment and got the virtue of life and healing. That's what God's asking for is, don't, don't just have good intentions. Don't just, don't, just, don't just touch me. I want you to grab hold of me and get virtue out of me. Get life out of me. Get healing out of me. I want to take you deeper. When he got to Jairus' house, the mourners he kicked out. She'd already passed Said, don't bother the master, she's already gone. He said, No, no, mourners you leave. She's not, she's not dead, she's sleeping. Doubters, you get out. Peter, James, John, mom, dad, come on. He took those three in and resurrected that dead girl. Showed them something, showed them boldness and purpose. All twelve were traveling with him, but only three got to go in. In Mark 9. They got to experience Jesus being transfigured right before them. Mark 9 and 2, and after six days, Jesus taketh with him Peter and James and John and leadeth them into a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. What an experience. They walked into the holies of holies. We're just going up on this mountaintop. He's taking us up there. Maybe he's going to pray with us. Maybe he's going to anoint us. I don't know what he's going to do, but come on, Peter, James, and John. We're going up on this mountain. They experienced the holies of holies. They saw Elijah. They saw Moses. They heard the voice of God where they were terrified. Sir, God, Jesus, would it be okay if we built you a tent? And Elijah and Moses, I mean, they wanted to hide themselves. They saw Jesus transfigured like Moses was, shining. His hair turned white. In Mark 14 and 33, And he taketh with him Peter, James, and John. And he began to be sore amazed and to be heavy. They're in the, garment, the garden of Gethsemane. He's asked them to come along. Why? Because he's teaching them things. Even in a time of fear. Maybe he didn't fear, but maybe there was something there that he didn't want to do all the way yet. Father, take this cup from me if it be your will. Amen? But he took, he took these three guys, Peter, James, and John. Pray here for a little bit. Why go on and pray? And he comes back and he finds them sleeping. He says, what's wrong with you guys? Come on. We're going to venture over here. He's trying to wake them up a little bit. Why? Because he wants them to hold on. He wants them to hold on to the gospel. He wants them to hold on to love. He doesn't want them to fall. He even tells them, listen, pray so you don't fall into temptation. He took the three with him to try to help them. Listen, Peter, James, and John, they experienced more. They celebrated more. They were in awe more. They grieved together. The smaller the group, the more time and the more access they had with Jesus. That why, that's why your time is important. I know earlier I said, let's try to get around like-minded people to help us accomplish our purpose. But what about these three men? What were some of their characteristics? They weren't the sharpest tool in the shed, were they? In Acts 4 and 13, Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Listen, they marveled at the boldness. How did they have boldness? Because they saw Jesus with boldness. They saw him do amazing things and that boldness because they were around him crept into their spirit man and they started having boldness to do the things of Christ. Listen, when you get around Jesus, your skill level is going to change. Your skill level is going to go up. I don't care what you come from. Pastor shared his background of education. I'm no better. Your skill level will increase the more you get with Jesus. I don't care who you are, what you come from, your skill level will increase. You may not remember every piece of scripture. You may not know every bit of it, but your boldness, your Holy Spirit that's inside of you, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. He's going to continue to bring you forward that's right. into a realm with Jesus that only you and him will know. You'll have new boldness. I remember whenever I was going for a job and, and some people were interviewing with it and they said, hey, good luck. I said, I don't need luck. That's right. God told me this job was mine. I probably shouldn't have said that that way because they got angry with me and didn't talk to me for a long time. But that was okay. I have faith in my God because he said that job is yours. Amen? Listen, the community that we surround ourselves with won't always get it right. Your community won't always be easy. It won't always be perfect. You'll have conflicts at times over serious matters, but you've got to learn to agree to disagree. But here's the question for you. Is your community, the people that you're allowing into your life, are they following Jesus? Are they pursuing him? Because if if they are, then you will too. If your community isn't, neither will you. Your community influences you. I can think about Pop Warner football with Trevor. I I can think that that every Sunday, the coach said, you gotta be there by 12 o'clock. You gotta be there by 12 o'clock. And I could allow that to influence me as a baby Christian, new in my faith. And I looked at that coach and I said, no. We'll be there after church because it was important to my children, even though they didn't realize it, it was important to me to get them there. Every time the doors open, I took them to church because they needed to learn. I was unlearned. After, after age 11, I didn't go to church until I got married again. I mean, that's a long time. That's 13 years, 14 years being unchurched, being in the world. I didn't want that for my kids. Football is not more important. If it was, I'd be watching the Browns and the Kansas City Chiefs right now. But because I stood firm back then, I stand firm today, amen? Amen. Listen, on this journey in my life as a God chaser, I can remember sitting around a table every Monday night with like-minded brothers in Christ. These meetings lasted for five years. It bounced from house to house to have finally found a permanent residence. It even, bar- it even bounced into Shenston Park. Uh, one of the guys even got pulled over uh, by the police officer because we left after dark and we didn't realize it was somebody that was with us, but it made a permanent home in Dave Palmer's house. This group included Vern Frase, Dave Bennett, Dave Palmer, Justin Campbell, Zach Deitzel, Dakota Steyer, Philip Shreve, Dean Nutter, Bobby Kearns, Pastor Johnny Burton, or Pastor Johnny Woods and Pastor Jim Burton, Andrew Minnick, Larry Whitehair, Scotty Beverly, and I'm sure there's a lot of people that I missed. We weren't all from the same church, but we gathered together and we encouraged one another. We had a community that loved one another. We didn't all see eye to eye with each other. We all didn't have, we we all didn't get along with everybody. We all didn't grow that same relationship. But we all grew closer together in those five years to where we had a bond, where we had a relationship. And even those brothers that messed up, we encouraged them and tried to get them to stand back up on their own feet and in the word of God. Amen. I know today that even we don't have it anymore but I know I can call any one of them and ask him to pray for me. Or if I need help with anything, I can ask him to come and help me. My community has changed some over the years. I've added more people and I've cut some loose. And you say, how did you cut some loose? Well, let me, let me remind you about Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He's sitting at a table, breaking bread, and one of them's gonna betray me. Listen, whenever people around you start becoming about me, me, me and greedy, Judas was cut loose. I know he was fulfilling a prophecy, but at the same time, he was no longer about the 12. He was no longer aiming at Jesus. He was aiming at me, me, me. I can sell him for 30 pieces of shekel. I can get me some money. Who, what can I do with that? The point is, your community has to lead you to Jesus and the calling that's on your life. In Ecclesiastics 4 and 9, 4, 9 and 10, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Two are better than one. You work together. Your reward is gonna be greater because of your your community, because of bonding with man on earth, but also you're doing it in in the love and the heart of Jesus. And for if they fall, the one will lift his fellow up. In verse 10, for if they fall, the one will lift him up. And that's what I'm talking about. Listen, when we have community and one of us make a mistake, Or one of us need to borrow a dollar or two. I'm not giving him a dollar and say, repay me back. I'm giving him a dollar and say, be blessed in the name of Jesus. But it's about picking each other up. If you go through a hard time, that's why community is important. Listen, just because we sat in a pandemic and we had to stay home, there's still a community around. We can still stay in contact with people and love on people. In 2021, we don't know what's going to take place, but the community is still here. We're in a big church and there's a lot of people that sit home that are lonely. we got to be able to touch them. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he has not another one to help him. God doesn't want you to be alone. He wants you to in a community with like-minded people that are chasing after Him, Matthew eighteen and twenty. For where two or three are gathered together in My name, there am I in the midst of them. Man, there He is in the midst. Let's go back, to verse nine. Two. Are better than one because they have a good reward for their labors. Why? Because where two or three are gathered, there he is in the midst. So whatever you're, whatever you're putting your hand to the plow and you're doing, man, this just popped in my spirit. Dave Palmer and I, there, there, there was an elder at Family Life Fellowship, and his, in his back wall caved in, and 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 Dave Palmer and I, we we were we were circulating buckets out. We were just passing, you know, we had a train of men going down and, and eventually they get tired and they come out, they get tired, they come out. By the time, by the time we got down there, Dave Palmer and I got down there together, they stopped passing the buckets back because we were sending them out so fast. They said, you all got to give us a break. That was Jesus working in that bond ship right there of, of brotherhood. I mean, we were sending them out so fast. They, they, they started holding the buckets. We're like, where's the buckets? I mean, we're trying to get done. We want to go home for supper. They're like, you two are working too hard. Calm down. But that was God inside of our hearts, inside of our inner man saying, get this done. Amen? Where two or three are gathered, there he is. In the midst, whatever you're doing, we're never meant to be alone. When we get this right, we'll help others be more and more like Jesus. And we can really do more together. Now there's one other thing about Jesus. He had the 5,000. He had the 500. He had the seventy. He had the 12 and he had the three, but he also had a clear number one, and that was God the Father, God Himself. God was at the center. When we have God at the center of our lives, in our community, pointing us towards the center of God, it's a beautiful thing. Listen, Mark 9 and 7 said, God said, This is my beloved Son. Hear Him. Hear Him what? We're hearing him right now. Tell us how important community is. Listen, you need them both. You need God and you need community. You're wired. He wired me and he wired you for community. You'll make it to heaven by yourself, sitting home, lonely, sitting in a pew by yourself. But he didn't make us that way. He wired us for him and for community. Amen. Listen, there is an abundant life on earth. And that abundant life, is filled with like minded people with God at the center. Talking to the church in Acts 2 42 through 47. Come on, Rusty, fire. <laughs> and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together. Who was together? the church, the community. And God was doing signs and wonders and miracles and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to every man as they had need. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. This is a community idea. The apostles were never demanded. They never demanded the people to sell their materials. They never demanded them to share or provide for the needy. But they did it out of the love for Christ, out of how Jesus had taught them to feed others. They did it because of the love for God that was in them and because of the many signs and wonders that that God was working. Listen, some of us here are getting involved and I encourage you to get involved more Christmas basket giveaway. What a blessing! What a blessing! They pulled up. We had the boxes that the church give away. But pastor asked, "Anybody wants to get into blessing tables? Show up. Bring whatever." And we asked them to, to kind of tell us what we were bringing. We called them the night before and reminded them. But th- those people were so blessed. They pulled up. They got their basket. They had great meals. But they pulled up and they got peanut butter candy. They they got brownies. They got they got Puppy chow, which is white chocolate milk uh, melted on Chex Mix or something. They, they pulled up a little bit farther. They got a bag of hellos. They got a bag of Apples. They got they got laundry detergent. There's a young boy out there giving giving coloring books about Jesus. That they had kids with crayons, so those kids could be, could learn about Jesus. They kept going a little bit farther, and there's a half gallon of chocolate milk for them, and there's a peanut butter jar for him, and they go a little bit farther, and there's there's cookies for him. That's the church. That's the community. That's what Jesus is looking for. Some of us are really getting involved, and others are just setting back and saying they're going to take care of it. Listen, just because we're big doesn't mean that we're all going to take care of it. We want to invite every individual to grab a hold of Jesus. It's a calling on your life to serve your community. Man, when you serve and you you pass out those blessings, I can tell you, those that were giving out received just as much of the blessing as those people driving by. Man, what a blessing. What a blessing, church. You were were part of that blessing. Your tithe and offering fills those food baskets, but there's so much more than just sowing a tithe and offering. There's so much more that we can do in our own heart. The Holy Spirit guides us into these things. There's opportunities to do, and we just got to do it. I encourage you to examine your community. Is it propelling you towards God? Is your community pushing you towards a higher calling that's on your life? Is your community helping you fulfill the purpose that God has for you? If so, I encourage you to reach out and connect with other people Get around them. Listen, those five years that I spent with with those men were great. But now I've tried to start with other younger men and encourage them and read the word with them. That's what we're called to do. If you know your purpose, if God has really just laid it out for you and you know, and even if he hasn't, imagine having a brother or a sister come to your house and you fellowship over the word of God. You're gonna grow in friendship. You're going to grow in the Word. That's what He's asking us. Peter, James, and John. He broke bread with them. He fellowshiped with them. They had a closer bond with Jesus. Amen. Listen, if not, if your community's not uh, pushing you for your calling, I would encourage you to get plugged into a ministry here. I would encourage you to get around like-minded people. We have opportunities. 2020, we had a hard time with volunteers. 2021 is starting the same way. Listen. We have the same people doing the same jobs and they would like a break. I have a couple young ladies that cook for the youth on Sunday nights and they would love a break. I don't know how long they've been doing it, but they would love a break. Listen, I'm going to brag on my wife a little bit. She's in the choir. She helps those young ladies at five cook for the youth. She's been a greeter. She, she was out there greeting today because she wasn't up here. She's part of the media team. If you don't see her down here, that's because she's up there. She wears four hats for your church. We got Dave Palmer on a camera. He's media and he's security. And we go to a big church, but we're having a hard time. We need volunteers. Listen, we're trying to keep everybody safe. And I got some people that say, man, I don't know what I can do. Listen, we're not going to put you anywhere that you don't want to be. And we're going to try to keep you as safe as possible. They keep their distance and everything from Kids Cove. Pastor's wife, Leanne's over there before service. Somebody called and said, Hey, I can't make it tonight. She was needing that volunteer. We're a community. We're a community wrapped together in love. This is your church, not just ours, it's your church. Get involved, get active. Listen, you wanna get around like-minded people, there's no better way. That's right. One of the first things that I did here, I volunteered at VBS in the kitchen. I had a great time, I learned 13 new people. I learned about them, but it was awesome. We had great fellowship, we laughed, we carried on, we made jokes, it was good. That's the community. Christ is calling us to be a community. Listen, I'm going to challenge you. Look around. Most people sit in the same seats. Who's not here in your section? I love Lisa Bennett. She calls, she'll text Cindy, she'll say, Hey, I haven't seen such and such at church. Today, Tom and Debbie said, Hey, I haven't seen Warren Nicholson at church for a little bit. And I said, Thank you. And I called Warren right after church. I encourage you to call those people. Lynn told me at the old church that he used to go to that he would actually take communion whenever he noticed people hadn't been at church. He'd take communion to the, to the door, him, Melissa, and they'd break bread and have communion and wondered if they were okay. That's community. That's what God wants us to do is build that community, to break bread and have fellowship with one another. Listen, just because we're home, we got too much access We can FaceTime, we can call, we can Zoom. I mean, we got the ability to reach people and we have to. God wants your community to be strengthened and it's only gonna get stronger with us doing his job. In closing tonight, I want you to understand that Jesus loves community. In Luke 19 and 10, for the son of man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to save us. We're the community. He came, he drew us with the Holy Spirit and said, I want you. Man, what a privilege it is to be wanted by Jesus. Jesus searched for community. And many times the community has searched for him. He fed the 5,000. He fed the 4,000. He fed them several times. He spread the gospel. He said, repent, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In John 13 and 14, if I then your Lord and master have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. He served his community with humility. Listen, if you're searching for the truth, don't let anyone or anything keep you from Jesus. He alone is the way the truth, and the life. Let's, leave, let's read Matthew eleven twenty nine 29 again in the message version. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Walk with Jesus. Work with Jesus. Watch how Jesus does it and learn. Amen. Amen. Tonight, if you bow your head, close your eyes. Listen, I'm gonna offer you the greatest gift that this church can give you, and that's Jesus. If you don't know Jesus as your personal savior, let me tell you, he died on a cross to pay for our salvation. Do you know him tonight? I know most people here on Sunday nights, you are the born again believers. But is there anyone here tonight that doesn't know Jesus? Raise your hand. I'd love to pray with you. They're going to lead us in in some song and then we'll pray and close. Listen, if you're lonely and you don't have anybody, my phone number is 304-677-9952. You can call me at any time. Anytime. I'll talk to you. You might think that you're bothering me, but if you need to talk, I'm here for you. Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast.